time to disrupt, disrupt the disruption. Welcome, everyone. I am your host, Johnny Yarbrough, for today's episode of Disrupting the Disruption, where we talk tech, business, and innovation in the insurance industry. Today's episode, we are going to focus on sales. That's right, selling. How to sell effectively, professionally, and get rich quick. All right, well, maybe not that last part, but at least how to become a disruptor as a retail insurance agent. Today's episode is going to be great. I think we're going to cover some topics uh, that definitely mean something to me, mean something to you guys, uh, is a key part of your business, a key part of being a retail agent. And I've got a great guest today uh, who's going to talk to me a little bit about his take on how to sell workers' comp insurance. So let's start with the insurance industry. It's a great place to work. I think it is. I I think that it's an industry that changes frequently. There's a lot to learn. There's a lot to do. There's never any shortage of excitement, right? And uh, selling, not everyone who sells, sells the same. It's not really a one-size-fits-all situation. You're insured is the same way. So every business is going to be different. They're going to operate differently. They're going to have different needs, different priorities, different experiences, locations, employees, products they sell, you know, budget constraints, everything's going to be a little bit different in every situation that you're in. So saying that there's one method to sell or even that there's one that's way better than another could be dangerous and detrimental to your abilities to be flexible, to learn, to fit to what your potential clients are looking for, which could damage your business, could damage your ability to sell. I mean, everything is dependent on on that, right? You've got to be able to be flexible. You've got to be able to change. Technology's changing. This insurance industry is known to be kind of behind on technology, but um, as things change, technology is going to change with it. So how can you maintain your sales strategy in such a crazy environment? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. So you may think that it might be easier to think of ways that don't work, right? We've, we've all had a bad sales experience or maybe we've had a job we didn't like that didn't go very well and we like to look at those situations as well. That's probably not the best way to do that. That's not always true. We, we've got to take those experiences, look at them as, as opportunities to learn something uh, and change maybe your approach or look at that and decide, well, what did I do wrong? And more importantly, what did I do right? But I can, I can think of some things that probably aren't the best way to sell, right? Uh, threatening someone's probably not a good way to do it. You know, buy my insurance or else. Like, that's probably not good. Or being lazy is probably another great way to not sell well, not following up, not reaching out periodically, not attempting new methods and learning about your product, industry, or client. Well, yeah, those are those are bad things, but I, I don't think that most of us, <laughs> we're, not, we're not that way, right? We're trying to do the right thing. Most of us are, are trying to succeed. Most of us are trying to do better. Even by taking out time to listen to me talk about sales strategy in the hopes of learning something new or change your perspective on a couple things, that's a step in the right direction. See, I'm a young guy. 
I don't have 30 or 40 years of experience in my field. I haven't bought a yacht yet. I haven't piled up all my money in a big giant pile of cash that I can jump in like one of those old cartoons. Nope, not yet. But what I do have is an eagerness to learn. I love to learn. I love to learn about my product. I like to know it better than anyone I talk to. I want to know about my customer. I want to learn what their needs are, both specifically and generally. What are they looking for? What do they need to succeed or feel like that I'm uh, going to be a valuable asset to their business? What can I do better than all my competition? Why am I doing what I'm doing? You know, is this is this going to be for that yacht? Am I going to buy a yacht? <laughs> am I going to try to save for retirement? Am, am I going to try to put my kids through school? What are my priorities? Yeah, that's right. You have got to learn about yourself too. You know, you, you spend so much time learning about your your industry and, and your product, but you got to realize that you're the most important step between your company and your product and the client. You've got to make sure that they're into what you're selling, right? So I think before you can sell anything to anybody else, you have got to have the ability to sell your product to yourself. Do you really believe in what you're selling? It's, it's kind of a form of honesty if you think about it. it. Not necessarily just honesty to the client or uh, to the people you work with, but honesty to yourself. Do you really know what you're doing? Are, are you really behind what you're doing? Because I can tell you this, it's going to make a difference. People are going to pick up on that. Most people who are business owners are not dumb and they're going to know what you're trying to do and what your priorities are behind that. There's there's a running joke that, that salesmen and saleswomen are dishonest, right? They want to take advantage of you, take your money, and sit back and just collect while everyone barely makes it by. But most people in the sales world, especially the ones I know, are, that's not true. Most of them, even the ones pulling in millions, I can guarantee you, unless they started with that much, they have worked long hours, spent too many nights away from home, their comfy bed, and put in equal to what they're getting out, and hopefully even better than that, right? Well, none of this is specific to insurance. These thought strategies are going to make you effective in really any industry, and frankly, any role, not just sales. At some level, whether you're making coffee or you're starting a hopeful Fortune 500, you're selling something. Even being unemployed and searching for a job, you're selling. You're selling yourself in that case, right? You're selling your ideas. You're selling your value. And of course, selling your products. So how does all of this translate into selling insurance? See, insurance is an interesting product to sell. And if you've done that or been there, you know exactly what I mean. Unless they've got a binder in their hand, They never even physically touch the product. If I wanted to sell you a pair of shoes, at least I could show you the shoes, let you touch them, try them on, walk around, maybe smell them one last time before they're forever tarnished by foot odor. Well, I hope that's not just me. (laughs) But a potential client will, of course, have different needs. And generally speaking, they want what's best for their company. They, they want to feel like you're being honest with them. You, they, they want to feel like you're trustworthy. And not just with the price, but that you have invested in learning about their needs and their priorities 
and have made real effort to come back with a proposal that makes them feel like a company with brand new shoes. See, with insurance, a a company has to consider what's on the line, and and a lot's on the line. Are they going to be okay financially if someone crashes a truck? or their office microwave commits break room arson, (laughs) or Jerry picks up that huge box of nuts and bolts and Jerry should never have done that and now Jerry will never hit golf balls the same way again. (laughs) See, it's, (laughs) it's easy to laugh, it's easy to enjoy these crazy stories, but for a client company, this is real. This, this could mean going out of business. This is everything for them. So how can you stand out as a professional agency or a professional retail agent and how can you deliver what's expected so that they know they're being taken care of and they're not just being sold something that you sell to everybody else? So as an example, let's talk about workers' compensation insurance. And to find out more about this, I turn to my interview with Brooks Peterson, who is the Director of Agent Relations at Access Partners, who discussed with me how to best sell workers' comp insurance. Let's check it out. Brooks, thanks so much for joining me today. Um, I know you do a lot of things, but but tell me about your role. Um, introduce yourself maybe a little bit, and um, and I know you want to talk a little bit about workers' compensation today. Thanks, Johnny. And, and, and I'm the director of agent relations at Access Partners Insurance Services. We're a commercial wholesaler um, out of California, and we do only write business in California. But I think a lot of agents sometimes overcomplicate uh, workers' comp when, when I think it's one of the easiest uh, lines to sell, and it is a great line to lead with, and and then round out those other accounts to uh, to help keep keep that business right. And it is it is it's a good way to get started, but. Let's say you are just getting started. What would be, I guess, your first priority when you want to start an agency? You need to know, you know, how, what type of agency you need to be running to get clients to want to work with you. Oh, <laughs> right. And oh, well, then how do you make them want to work with you? So, what's going to make you an excellent agency and make you stand out uh, compared to the thousands of other agencies that are out there? So, so an excellent agency needs to offer a trained and professional staff. So, I mean, I think along with that is responsive brokers and account managers. These are really the, they're the, they're the voices of your agency. When, when you bring an account in and you sold it and everybody's high five in, well, it's not over yet. You need to make sure that, you know, any uh, new hires you have at your agency are up and running and, and up to speed so that they can be a, be a, a good representation of your business because at the end of the day, um, that can make or break if you, you keep a client for one year or five years. Sure. And, you know, what if it's just me? What if I'm a retail agent? What's next for me? I, I mean, I understand that, uh, you know, probably I want to make sure that I have good safety services and, and that's important. Or at least um, having, uh, you know, good competitive carriers, as you see there, to help and leaning on them to use their safety services. But I think overall, just having a having a, a, an overall knowledge of the industries you're selling in and some of the pain points in terms of claim frequencies that happen in each of those and being able to educate your clients on, on what those, you know, types of losses are, whether it's a restaurant and it's, you know, slip and falls or, or lacerations and being able to educate them, them on what they should do to help mitigate those claims um, is really important and, and can help you be a true partner for them. 
Um, and, and having access to competitive insurance carriers is a no-brainer. So, I mean, if you don't have direct access, finding companies like myself to help you access those carriers is really important. And being able to uh, help you... you know, uh, give you that knowledge and that that expertise to know, hey, this is a good carrier to send this type of submission to instead of maybe sending it to four places that aren't going to be competitive. You're wasting the carrier's time. You're wasting your time when you could really be going out there and, and, and selling selling uh, policies that make sense for, for your insured. Sure, yeah. And, you know, when you talk about carriers, I'm assuming that you probably want to have uh, a nice tight group of carriers where you know what to expect or at least, uh, you know, at, at at a very minimum, you have a decent relationship with those carriers. How important is that when you're starting out? Building that relationship with the carrier is extremely important. Um, getting them information quickly, giving them submissions that they can win on, and also you know, building that relationship outside of just the policies. Having a good relationship with an underwriter can give you an extra five or 10 credits on every policy. Um, I, I, I know that from experience. And if they trust you, they'll they'll trust that the price that they give you is, is, is good. For sure. And let me ask you this. So how should I choose markets? Um, should I go with carriers directly? Should I try out some MGAs? What do you suggest as far as that initial search for a good group of markets? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, you always want to get a direct appointment. Um, it depends on your agency, though. So, for instance, when you come, if you're a smaller independent independent agency and you don't have the manpower to to submit business to, you know, several carriers or, you know, fill out, I mean, with, with, with working with wholesalers, say you're a single shop guy, you're, you know, you maybe got one CSR um, and you can essentially use us as your additional team because we have access to all these carriers. We know the markets. You can send one submission out to one MGA and have, you know, five to 10 markets blocked. Whereas if you have five to 10 carriers direct, you may have month or yearly minimums that you need to um, make in premium to satisfy that appointment, to keep that appointment. And also, you know, the time it takes to, to send those submissions out to, you know, five different, you know, carriers that, you know, you could do that through Appulate, but at the same time, that still takes time, um, at least some time to, you know, key in some data. Um, whereas when you work with us, you still get a high commission payout and, and we're doing all that back end work for you. Now, that being said, if you have a larger agency, then, and, you know, and you got that support team and uh, it, I think it's important to get those direct appointments just because, you know, you can avoid extra fees or maybe you get a little bit higher commission. So I think having a balance between the two is important, depending on the size of the agency, um, either working with MGAs or working with, working with uh, direct carriers. It's kind of a, it's a convoluted question, but um, at the end of the day, it's, it's whatever works for, works best for you in terms of your time and how you can sell more. Right. Now I'm selling more now. I'm, I'm done picking markets. I'm selling those deals. How do I keep them so that the competition doesn't steal them from me or, or do a better job than I do? So I, this one's extremely important. I think this is, you know, something that a lot of clients don't do um, is getting face to face with your top 20 accounts. So your top 20 accounts, and it might be, you know, top 10 accounts, but they typically make up 80% of your revenue for the year. So if it, think about it. I mean, you got 10 to 20 accounts making up 80% of your revenue and the rest of them are making 20% of your revenue. You need to keep those accounts. And in order to do so, you need to get in front 
of those clients to make sure year after year they know who you are and that they are going to buy from you. Because if, they are, if you're only a voice to them, there's a high likelihood that they could shop elsewhere, especially if they have a family friend in the industry or, or something else, some other type of relationship. You need to be in front of them. They need to know who you are so that you can keep that revenue in, in your agency. Right. And well, you know, you could be in front of them. And of course, price is still a factor. So I'm sure they would still want to shop around. So what can I do uh, on, in addition to that to maintain retention? Shopping accounts 90 to 120 days out. I think a lot of agents don't do this. I mean, I receive a lot of renewal submissions from agencies, you know, 30 days out, 15 days out of the renewal. And be sure that you're blocking all the markets that are going to be competitive for your client and that you're, you know, giving the carriers enough time to write it. Um, being being on top of that and having that trained professional staff to, you know, set reminders for themselves to, to shop that account out and ask for loss runs and, and fill out new subs if, if, need to, if needed. I think that's extremely important. Sure. And speaking of documents and that sort of thing, let's get back to the basics for a second. <laughs> what do I need to get a quote? Um, you receive a lot of submissions. What do you need? I receive a lot of submissions that don't have, that aren't complete. I mean, if you can get an Accord 130, a complete sub, and four years of currently valued loss runs, you can get a quote from any carrier. Now, if it's a bigger, if it's a bigger premium, they may ask for additional information if it's had a lot of losses or, or other things, and they may ask for you know an XMOD worksheet, an inspection report, um, an explanation of losses or lapses, so either cause and correction to losses or a reason why they're in a lapse. Um, and then also getting a target premium. So if it, always provide your carriers or your MGAs or your brokers with a, with a target premium because we don't want to shoot in the dark and we don't want to waste your time and we don't want to waste our time. If we're not going to be competitive, then you know, we want to tell you up front so you can move on and, and, and work with you know, another carrier that may be able to help you or, or another account that you may be able to close. So, and, then, and then on really large accounts, um, you know, they may ask for financial information, you know, typically over like 250K premium. Gotcha. So let's say I've got all that. I've, I've got all the documents I need. I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm, I've got a carrier I've been working with. I'm, I'm ready to start shopping. <laughs> what types of things do I need to look for? Uh, and really, I guess, how do I shop professionally? So here's how the pros shop for workers comp. And, and you know, I like to relate this to, to buying gas. So, so when, you, when you're buying gas, first you want to make sure that you, or when you're buying workers' comp, first you want to make sure you're comparing the right class code. So you don't want diesel if, if you need unleaded. So if you got a restaurant and you see that um, they're using the bakery class code and you you know they're not a bakery, they're a restaurant, then you, you need to make sure that your quote reflects the correct class codes. And the WCRB here in California is, is great to work with and making sure that you have the correct class code. And that's the first step, making sure. And, and you know, some counts may have you know, 10, 15 class codes associated with them and, and, and making sure that those are, are correct, especially for new ventures that maybe just are starting. And the, the worst thing you could do is, is write a business that with the wrong class code at the end of the year, they do an audit, they find out there's additional classes and you're, and you're insured is owing more money. So that's extremely important. Um, next is, is, is to make sure you're comparing the same amount of payroll on all proposals. I know a lot of times uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get a target premium from, or I'll get a, a competing quote from an agent saying, "Hey, here's the target," and and you know, and they're they've the whole time been telling me the target is was use a round number of fifty thousand. Well, that fifty thousand dollar target is based on payrolls that we didn't receive, different payrolls. So obviously, the quotes are going to be different, the targets are going to be different, which is why it's so important that you sell workers' comp 
by the net rate. So this is the price per gallon that you're paying. So the net rate is extremely important. You'll always typically see the base rate. Some carriers will include the net rate on there, but if they don't, you'll need to know how to calculate that so that you know how to tell your insured, hey, if your payroll changes, this is the factor, this is the rate that you're going to be charged off of that either additional payroll or or um, payroll that's maybe less on the, uh, after the audit is done. So how do I compare quotes effectively? So when I'm looking at all these rates and, and I've got a bunch of things in front of me, how do I make sure that I'm getting the best price or, or the best policy for my client? So when you sell workers' comp policies on net rate, you're looking for obviously the class code, the payroll, the, the base rate, and the net rate. So So do the class codes match up? with the other quotes that you're looking at? Do the payrolls match up with the other quotes that you're looking at? How does the rate compare with other quotes? And then lastly, making sure you are aware of the payment options that your carriers offer. So at the end of the day, if, if, if one carrier offers a 0% down and another carrier offers 15% down and the 0% down offer is, it quote, is maybe a little bit higher, your insured may be inclined to go with that. So ask that question. Hey, if I can get you a 0% down offer, I know my quote's a little bit higher, but would that be something you'd want to move forward with? And, and, and I've seen deals close and, and people be able to close business just based off that. Having a, high, a little bit higher premium, but a little bit less down, maybe they don't have the cash in the bank right now to, to, to do that. And, and, you know, and that makes sense for a lot of clients. Brooks, thank you so much. We got just a little bit more time here. I was really curious, um, any extra advice you have for new or existing retail agents out there? Uh, there's a great, um, there's a great statistic that I, that my, uh, my boss told me, and it's so true is that if you have a workers comp policy with an insured, and that's the only policy you write for them, you will keep that client for about three years. But if you round out all their other lines on top of the workers' comp, you'll have their workers' comp and have them as a client for seven years. So I think workers' comp is a great way to lead because you can find pain points in terms of either experience mod or if you find, a, find someone who has a carrier that is um, you know, maybe a little high for them, you can always lead with that and then round out those accounts. Awesome. So that was Brooks Peterson from Access Partners. What a great conversation we had. Uh, he's got so much information in that head of his. <laughs> I, I always like picking his brain. He's he's a very well-spoken guy. He knows what he's talking about. He's been around for a while. He's got a lot of good information. And, and again, to kind of recap a little bit, what is important? What is important to you? Are you trying to grow? Are you trying to change and adapt to some of the new technology that's out there? Are you trying to retain clients a little bit better? The sales process is more, and especially insurance, it's it's more than just that meeting that you have where you're showing them a quote and, and trying to get them to buy uh, that account from you. This is not, this is not the case in, in sales for insurance. The, the case for sales and insurance is year after year, you want to keep those clients. You want to have them coming back. You want to be effective. You want to be cutting edge. You want to be everything that they're looking for. And of course, better than your competition out there. And that can be hard. You've got a lot of competition, but don't let that be a factor that stops you from learning um, and expanding what you know, what you can offer, uh, and really what you can bring to the table at the end of the day. That's, that's what's going to count. So, Everybody, thank you so much for uh, 
listening today. I thought it was a great podcast. I, I really appreciate it, each and every one of you who listen. Uh, please don't forget to like, uh, hit that subscribe button. Each week we're going to be putting out a new podcast. We've got a lot of really cool guests coming up. Again, I really think that you're going to enjoy it. We've got a lot of cool people. I, I get so excited thinking about the stuff coming up, but I'm not going to tell you. you got to hit subscribe. you got to see those episodes as they come through. Feel free, again, to like, comment, share with your friends, uh, and enjoy our future podcast. Thanks again. I'm Johnny Yarbrough. This has been Disrupting the Disruption. Today's episode of Disrupting the Disruption was brought to you by Appulate. Guys, if you're in the insurance industry and you don't know who Appulate is, you need to change that now, like today. You need to figure out how to use Appulate, who they are, what they do. In fact, over 75% of retail agents in the U.S. have already done that. They're already registered right now for Appulate. So if you're not part of that list, you need to get on it now. They have cracked the code to streamlining the submission process and integrate with every agency management system out there. So whether you're an agent, carrier, MGA, broker, it doesn't matter. Appulate needs to be something you're using if you want to be better and more efficient. In fact, Brooks Peterson today, he uses Appulate. Their company uses Appulate. You could submit to Access Partners today if you wanted to and in half the time. So check it out, www.appulate.com. That's A-P-P-U-L-A-T-E.com.